Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered Sit Rep, a weekly show where our hosts, Blaine, Matt, and Treg, will go over the Montreal Canadiens' news, notes, and rumors, and provide you an unfiltered take. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to episode 86 of Habs Unfiltered with your host, me, Blaine Podbay, joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg, the villain, Wilson. Hello, hello, hello. Treg's holding that, uh, that villain title well. Apparently. I put out a tweet about Domi going to Pittsburgh and people lost their minds. Was it for uh, Domi uh, paling in a first for some random no. piece? No. All I did in the tweet was to say, I wouldn't be surprised in the offseason if Max Domi goes to Pittsburgh and either Murray or Tristan Jerry come the other way. Right? Because oh. I mean, Rutherford unless... has had interest in Domi for a while now. And we all know that uh, uh, Bergevin tried to get Tristan Jerry before. So I thought, hey, let's throw this out there and see what happens. And everyone lost their freaking mind like it was a one-for-one one deal. And they're saying that would never happen. Why trade for a goalie when we can get one in the UFA? I'm like, you know, no, why not? You don't get, get it. You just don't get it. Don't a Domi it. trade doesn't happen unless you add paling in a first. It's the new Ryder Halak in a second. Well, apparently uh, a guy on Facebook wants to trade Domi paling a first for Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, that's going to happen. 
like a 34 year old player for three players under 25 at a position yeah. we don't need someone for. <laughs> All right. So shit chucking aside, what we're going to, uh, we're going to start off on this segment. We're going to talk about the, uh, the NCAA. We'll cover Domi and uh, the, uh, how do I put this nicely? Bad uh, trade proposals that we've heard. We'll talk about Domi and other things in our next segment. But this one here, we're going to cover the NCAA and the Canadians prospects that the NCAA decisions will impact. So to set the scene, the NCAA hasn't quite decided yet if there will be a season, but if there is not, it has made mention that uh, it will allow players to remain under uh, their current scholarships but they have to remain uh, academically viable. So they, they attend classes. There's no word yet as to whether or not attending classes means remote or in person, uh, that they'll be allowed to play junior as of right now. Uh, the ruling for the NCAA is that they see the CHL as professional, therefore are ineligible, but because of COVID, we can throw all that stuff out the window without them saying specifically when they speak of junior of the leagues that they're allowed to play in or not, we have to assume that it's a possibility the CHL is a viable league in this one circumstance to allow players to play. So in this circumstance, uh, the Canadians have several NCAA players, namely Cole Caulfield, uh, Struble, Harris, uh, Stapley, um, Pitlick, Gorniak, Ruzinski. Uh, I have a hard time with that name. But there's several players under the Canadians that play NCAA. But only Caulfield, Struble, and Harris are CHL uh, eligible because their rights are owned by a team and they're of the right age. So it's a possibility. What What do you think, Treg? Uh Good question, and I don't think my mic's working. No, I hear you just fine. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I think the players, if they want an NHL career or whatever, they're going to have to play somewhere if there's no NCAA. Um, it's just not uh, feasible. Although I don't know how their academic thing's going to work, where if, like, for instance, I believe Caulfield's with Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Struble's in the queue, I believe. I'm not sure off the top of my head what team. He's with the Armada. The Armada, yeah. So how that's going to work where, you know, one's in Wisconsin, you know, uh, he's in Wisconsin, he's going to be playing in uh, Ontario. Like, how is that going to work for them? Like, I guess they'd have to do their classes online or whatever. Um, or since we all know Caulfield would have played with Montreal this year if they would have let him, he can just sign with the team and then play either Laval or OHL. I'd prefer the OHL, but um, I don't see the NCAA having a season. They've already canceled football, which is their biggest and hugest moneymaker uh, for the universities. So I don't see hockey or any of these other, uh, not to um, belittle hockey or anything, but I mean, let's, let's say in the United States, hockey is not a major uh, university sport. Um, I can't just, I just don't see it happening. So I, I would prefer to see these guys play in the uh, CHL or wherever they're affiliated to. Uh, 
and go from there. I mean, I believe the season starts in December, so it'll give them time to uh, uh, make up their mind or do whatever it is they're going to do. Well, here's the thing with, uh, with that assumption that the season starts in December. The OHL and the WHL would both begin in December. That uh, They have that stipulation. However, in the queue, the training camps have already opened. They've had uh, their 35-man rosters for training camp. I think it's 35, possibly 30. Where The players are already in location, and each division is going to play as in its own little conference, so it's, you're only interdivisional play. And that season is going to be starting in October, as per normal. But under the CHL, can they do that? Yes. They're all three different leagues. When they start and how many games they play is up to each league. It's what happens for the Memorial Cup. Now, right. Matt, you had some, some word on that. Uh, so before, Matt, you, before you tell us about what, what you learned, well, yeah, start off with what you learned with uh, the Memorial Cup and then give us your thoughts on the whole, what the hell's going on with the NCAA. Okay, well, so the OHL is going to be the ones that are going to, um, well, pre-COVID, they're the ones that were going to be the hosts and the host cities were either going to be the Oshawa Generals or the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. So this works out perfectly for Cole Caulfield, whose rights are owned by Sault Ste. Marie. So he's got his ticket right then and there. As soon as the year starts, he's going to be playing in the Memorial Cup, which would be incredible for him and for his development. For the NCAA, I believe it would be perfect for all three of these players to be able to hit the CHL if they're allowed. And I think it'd be incredible for their development. If they can uh, play in this league without having to sign a contract, I think that'd be a bonus for the Canadians. I think it'd be a bonus for the players. Um, as I said, Caulfield will be playing in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, Jordan Harris, who is kind of a forgotten puck-moving defenseman that the Canadians have, played for Northeastern, put up 21 points last year, played for the, uh, the U.S. the World Juniors. He'll be going to, uh, to Val d'Or, who was, you know, a middle-of-the-pack team last year. And then you've got Jaden Struble, who's a guy that, with his injuries, his season was affected. He still put up 10 points in 21 games. But he's a physical, he's a shutdown guy. He's, uh, you know, he's the, uh, the Greek god, as Bergevin said. Like, he's the, he was the standout at the Combine. And I think it would be massive for him to be able to go to the Armada which is a team that uh, Joel Bouchard is still associated with. He's the um, hockey vice president or something like that, or something like that. He's got, he has a title. And um, we know how he is with, uh, with young players. We know that he can really light a fire under these guys. We've seen it with, uh, with Kakaniemi. Um, hopefully we're going to see it with Paling moving forward. Um, I just think that it would be the, it would be the best bet is to get all three of these guys playing hockey. And if, as, as Treg mentioned, um, it's not a viable option for these, for these guys to sit out um, a season, especially a guy like Caulfield, who uh, we're expecting really big things out of. Now, um, assuming that the NCAA uh, doesn't allow players to go to the CHL and they're only going to allow players to go play in, say, the USHL or... BCHL or AJHL, you know, the, the league in BC, the league in, in Alberta. So tier two junior eight in, in Canada and the USHL, I mean, I don't think it's a tier two league, but 
it's deemed as quote unquote, not professional, like the CHL is. So if NCAA says no CHL, only these leagues and names off the specific leagues these players can go to, would it be viable really for the development of these, uh, uh, for players like Harris and for uh, Caulfield who have proven that they're, they're beyond that level of hockey. They're even, uh, it's, it's, it's questionable whether they have more to learn at the NCAA. Is it viable to continue that way or is, would it be better for them to sign their deals? What do you guys think? Uh, for Harris, for myself, for Harris and Caulfield, I would say it would be a big step back for them. And, um, you know, I, I see the Trenton Golden Hawks play all the time that are in the OGHL. Um, the level of hockey is there, but it's nowhere near, it's nowhere near what you'd see in the NCAA. Um, I think it would be a huge step back for their development. It'd be, a, it'd be an area for them to, uh, to play hockey and to keep their skills up. But um, you don't see a lot of people drafted out of the OJHL, out of the AGHL, et cetera. You do every now and then, and you get some superstar players, but there, there really are one-offs. You usually have a story or two of a guy coming out of the OJHL, AJHL, CCHL, whatever, how many AHLs there are. But I really do believe that it would be a big step back for them. You know, Struble, who knows? It could be an option, but I, I would at least stay within maybe the USHL because then they can stay within that. They can stay within the States and maybe it'll be a little bit easier for their schooling. That would be my thought. And, um, you know, I've seen OJHL games, as I said, and uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are that are playing and I'm not going to belittle the league or anything, but there's a lot of goons out there. There's a lot of guys that are just trying to make a name for themselves and who's to say that, you know, buddy running around with a cage doesn't take a run at a, a star player that's already been drafted. That's, well, I mean, all, that's, you, that's my thought. You, you can say the same thing in the AHL because the AHL is, is known to be uh, more physical than the NHL and it is filled with guys looking to make a name for themselves to get a call up. That's true. If they sign with the teams though, they can still play junior in the uh, OH in the CHL. Exactly. So, uh, if they're worried about, I know Caulfield, and I'm just going by things he said in the past and stuff like that. I don't think his schooling is his number one priority. I think if the Montreal Canadiens went to him last year and said, "We're going to sign you. We want you playing," he'd be in Laval or Montreal. He'd sign that contract right away. Uh, I'm not sure about Struble or Harris. Uh, I think. Uh, in order, and I've said this before, in order to go into the league above you, you need to dominate or be at least consistently uh, top of your game in the league below you. I think going back to, say, the uh, uh, on OJHL or the US, U.S. Uh, Hockey League or whatever, I think it's a step backwards for them, and I think it would just stunt their development because uh, Caulfield already, I wouldn't say he dominated, but he... Well, I guess I can say, Dom, in his first year, he, you know, did everything that he could do as a first-year player for Wisconsin winning. I think he was a point-per-game player. He, you know, and that was a – and let's be honest, that was a weak Wisconsin team. Like, that team was terrible, although it shouldn't have been. It had good players on it. Um, 
So for him to go into a lower league, what's he, what's he going to learn? What's he, what's, he's not going to advance. He's just, cause he's just going to dominate it. If he can dominate the NCAA, he should be able to really dominate a lower league. Um, I think the best bet for these three guys, if the NCAA doesn't let them play and the, would be to sign with the team and, and play because it's not, they're not going to lose a year if they play in the, uh, in the Canadian hockey league. So that's they're, right. So they're still going to have their three-year entry-level contract. It's not going to start until they play in the AHL or NHL. And these no, are all true. guys that we expect to make a impact with the Correct. Canadians down the road. Yeah. It's not like they're just signing them just to say we want to control where they're going to go. Right. And, no, and if it, they it, do sign, if they do sign, just so people are aware, uh, the junior eligibility slide kicks in. So, yeah, sure they all signed a three-year deal, but this one year slides. So the, the three-year ELC doesn't begin until after they leave junior. So let's say Harris, well, Harris would only play the one year because he's 20. Correct. So Struble could play two. Caulfield could play two. Struble could play, uh, yeah, two. Caulfield could play two as well. Uh, I don't think he would, but if, if they did sign, um, it would slide. But those three contracts do count against the 50 total. Yes. So there's... Yes. There, there's some, there's some wiggling that would have to be accomplished here. That's why I was thinking Caulfield and Harris are really the two front runners for uh, anyone to go to the CHL if the CHL is deemed uh, unacceptable by the NCAA. Like uh, Struble, for instance, him going to the USHL, I don't think would hurt his development because they play a little bit more games. It, it would give him another year or two of eligibility in the NCAA where the Canadians can take their time and let them develop properly. It, it's hard to say with Struble because his injuries really uh, compacted his year. So we're not oh, sure. He, he did come back. He, he could come back, but I'm just saying, I'm not, we're not sure how good he could have been at the level he was at. No, but he did come back. He, he came back from the injury and he was playing well. No, I, I understand. That. I'm just saying his, his games were condensed, so you don't have a full season of what he yeah. can do is all I'm trying to say. So for him moving to the USH, USHL, it's not, a, it's not a big loss, considering no. the fact that he came up from high school hockey to go straight to the NCAA. Uh, as of right now, Montreal has four roster spots in the 50, as of yeah. right now. Now, it's guys like Stapley that I worry about because Stapley's already 21 years old. Um, he's, he's not going to be a uh, – where, where the hell can he play? He can't really play in any of those leagues, right? So it would, it would hurt him, guys like him. So if there's a plan to keep him, to develop him, maybe they sign him to an AHL deal. And uh, when you're looking at the AHL, I mean, the Laval roster is starting to get super full. He'd be I mean, a guy they'd have to loan out to the ECHL. Yeah, yeah sure. and they don't have an ECHL team yet. There's talk of one in Trois-Rivières, but as of right now, there is no affiliation with the Montreal Canadiens with any ECHL team. Well, he doesn't necessarily have to go, but somebody would have to go. Well, they'd, they'd probably have to make decisions on whether or not to sign these guys. That's what I mean. I mean, you, I mean, they have a lot of guys in Laval that could probably go either way. Yeah, Ryan Paling's going to the main Mariners. He's going to be their number one center. <laughs> Oh, start that rumor. Holy fuck. Uh, we just did. Belzil, <laughs> just did. Belzil will be right next to him on the, on the wing. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I mean, you, you can make spots there. Like the defense, that they have a lot of defensemen in Laval that they're going to have to make room for. Uh, not because you have Juleson, Fleury, and Brooke. Only one of them is going to make the team, the Montreal team. Let, let's be honest. They're not going to have two of them make the team and one sit in the press box all the time. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. And you still got Carl Alsner down there too. Yeah, Carl Alsner down there. You have uh, – I mean, if you look at the defensemen, uh, you have uh, Melancon, you have uh, Moravik, Dupree, uh, Plant. I mean, they have all kinds of defensemen down there uh, that they can move, right? Uh, Lamarche. Or they can um, just let them sit in a press box or they can send down to the ECHL when they finally get something. That, that's what I mean. Like, th- these guys are never going to make the NHL. Plus, you have uh, Otto Liskinen that's probably going to come back from Europe when uh, when the league starts back up. Um, yeah, you just, there's so many defensemen right now that you know where are these all these guys going to play? You can move some of them. You have uh, 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 Gustav Olsson, um, even Alexander Romanov. I mean, if Romanov doesn't pan out with the Canadians, I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but it's possible. Uh, he's going to have to go to Laval. So there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made as well because you got guys like Norlander coming, and yeah. as we were talking about, Harrison Strobel. There is a lot of pretty good defensive prospects coming. Like none are. Let's be let's be clear here. None are blue chip. These guys are going to change a franchise kind of player, but these are guys that they're they're high end. They're looking at you know maybe a, a top three, top four defenseman. And they could surprise you. One could become a top defenseman. Like, I mean, yeah. it's not... Romanov has that potential. Romanov has that. And the way Norlander's playing, who knows? Maybe he does too. Like, right now, I know I know it's only exhibition, but he's killing it over in the Swiss League in exhibition. I apologize if anyone heard that burp. That would be one of my children walking past the den that I recorded. Well, that you need to get rid of your children. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> As they get older, out. Here's 20 bucks. You're 18. Here's 20 bucks. Get out. <laughs> 20, you're generous. I would have just locked, changed the locks on the door. Well, uh, how'd that, how's that working for you? It's not. <laughs> All right. So um, back to what we were talking about. No, keep going. Oh, well, the, we were talking about uh, uh, Laval and the the players in Laval and the defense in EC, ECHL. I mean, I guess this goes to the question that I mean you've been bringing up for a while now about the need for a ECHL team. Now, I believe we're getting one in what twenty two, twenty one, twenty two, yeah. or not this like season, but the one not, coming. Not this season, but the one coming up. So that'll be a bonus. However, we have issues this season. I mean, if even if you look at the goaltending in Montreal. If they want to keep Michael McNevin, right, where is he going to play? Because you're going to have Primo, maybe Lindgren and Demchenko, probably in Laval if they stay on the team. But here's the thing with the ECHL. There's uh, the affiliations for the ECHL are coming up now in the next, I think, week or so or already. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on the dates, but – all ECHL affiliations, the, uh, there's going to be about 15 of them that need to be renewed. And we're in that time zone right now where the, 
those affiliations are now done. They need to be renewed. Maybe the Canadians can swoop in and pay a small fortune to one team for the season. So a team like that was perhaps independent the season before, like Rapid City or something. I don't see that happening just for the simple fact that they've gone this long without one and they seem pretty happy with the way they're doing it. And now that they're getting one next season, I just don't see them paying the money to do it. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, it, you, I, I see what you're saying and it would help, but I think they're just saying, well, you know what? We can just, we can go without for another year. Let's just do that. I mean, I personally don't think Michael McNevin's coming back. He's an RFA. I don't think he's coming back, but you know, yeah, I think they're going to let him walk. And then you'll see Demchenko and Primo in the Laval. I think Lindgren's probably seen his last days as a Montreal Canadian. Um, of course, he'd have to be traded or something. But well, when, I mean, we when Bergevin talked. You can't blame, can't blame uh, Lindgren for any of the losses, even though his numbers were crap in those losses. <laughs> it's not his fault. Well, you got to think when they when when Bergevin had his presser, he talked about the need for a, a a quality backup. Yeah. So there's 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 a there's a kick to the ass of Lingren right there. Well, yeah. He, he well, I mean, Lingren played six games and won what one? Him and him and Keith Kincaid played twelve games. I think they won two. Yeah. In total, I mean that's that's terrible. Yeah, and, and we, Charlie Lingren's a terrible goalie anyway. And we've and we've brought this up and. You know, it, it, it's it's a fact that when Price is rested and he, he can take a little bit of a break, he's a tremendous goaltender. We saw it in the playoffs. And he needs a goalie. He needs a 1B goalie. He needs a goalie who can play 25 to 35 games. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't need one. I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he doesn't really need one. If they had the team in front of him, he wouldn't need one. But why would you take your number one goalie playing 60, 65 games a season? when you don't have to. Well, he kind of does need one. He's at the age now that, yes, he's still able to give great quality and wonderful performances, but he's at the age where it takes longer to recover and doing that on a consistent basis, night after night, is just not possible anymore. You want him to provide great quality, you need to give him rest so you can manage his minutes through the year so that for that one long run in a like for a playoff run, he can play every other night. You manage him in his recovery in between, on the off days in between where he doesn't practice and he just he stretches out whatever you need to do. The bumps and bruises take care of them. But you want him to manage his time leading up to that playoff. So play him 50 games. Give the rest to, I don't know, goalie X sign a free agent there's a ton of them on the on the market for this coming season and there's a ton that can play as a starter let alone as a I mean you've got Corey Crawford Anderson Grice uh Kabodin um the list goes on and on and on uh my only fear is that Bergevin doesn't want to spend the any doesn't want to spend put too much more money on his goaltending because he has already 10 million on on price and that he doesn't want to be spending anywhere from 13 to 15 million on his goaltending which kind of makes sense but hey you're the one that signed price to a 10 million dollar contract so 
you know. I, I honestly don't think he gives a crap one way or the other if he's putting another four million into a goalie. I think what he does give a shit about is he's got X number of cap dollars left. He wants to keep a cushion so that he can make trades at a deadline, whatever that would look like. So say about two million, two and a half million under the cap. He wants to make sure he has enough money to add elsewhere as well. So I think that is really the sticking point. Not necessarily, I don't want to spend more than X dollars on a goalie. I think he wants to spend up to two and a half million under the cap, but he wants to address two to three areas. Well, look at right now with some of the teams that are producing and the goaltenders that they have. You look at Rask and Halak, you get a 1A, 1B. You've got the Islanders with Grice until he becomes a Montreal Canadian next year with uh, Farlamov. You've got um, Jordan Bennington until he plays in the playoffs and Jake Allen. And then you've got, I know it's a deal that was made throughout the year, but you've got Leonard and you've got Flurry unless a DeBoer sword goes through him. Right? So, <laughs> right. So you, so you, 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 you see some of these teams that are, that are, that are playing well in the playoffs. They've got a one, a one B it's something that the Canadians can definitely look into, but they do have a young guy in Caden Primo who a lot of people see as Price's successor. Yeah, but the thing with Caden Primo, and this is the thing about getting a quality 1B backup goaltender, is Primo should not be with the Montreal Canadiens as the backup next season. No, he shouldn't. I, I believe uh, he's two years out. Correct. So you want at least a 1B goalie that's going to sign a two- to three-year contract at the max. Yes, and you're also, right. you've also got to think we've got the Seattle expansion draft coming up too. Correct. So you got to protect, you don't want to sign a, say, an Anton Kaboden to a three-year deal, and then you can't, uh, you can't uh, keep them or you can't protect them in the, in the expansion, and then you lose them for nothing. You got to think, he's, a, he's an aging goaltender, though. He is an aging goaltender, but that's right, kind of... It's not like you're bringing in a guy that's like 25 years old. Yeah, but then if, say, next season he goes to Seattle, then you're back into this right back to where you were beforehand the year before. Now you don't we have a backup Maybe, maybe uh, on his off year, Keith Kincaid's going to become a superstar. They're going to bring him back. <laughs> I, I honestly think that we're, we're overanalyzing that whole backup thing. Who gives we, we a are. flying rat's ass if, if Seattle decides, I'm going to steal Montreal's backup? Who cares? They that's, don't. I'm just, that's true. I'm just they giving they have somebody here. there as a backup. They have someone there. That's going to be ready, and, or they're going to, or they're going to bring in another guy for another year if yeah, they deem that Primo's not ready. And that's that's the point I'm going to. I wanted to make. I'm not necessarily shitting on on Treg for that because it's a valid point. You could lose him, but I don't think it's it, it's really something to be concerned about because you look at the uh, the free agent market for goaltenders this year. Every NHL GM is going to be looking at it the same way. And they're probably going to sign their guys for one, maybe two years. It's going to be odd if they get two years because they're going to let the guys go mar- go to market again. And that's a way of protecting a guy if you want to re-sign him. So now he's a free agent. You don't have to protect him. You don't have to worry about losing him. You can just step up and re-sign him. So the, I, I do see the market being flooded by goaltenders again. You may not get the same guy, but you'll still get the same level of quality. So if a Kadobin signs in Montreal... And he's gone. 
well, then you can walk out and sign a grace. You see what I'm getting at? If he's available. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just spitballing names here. It's goalie X, goalie Y. I say they trade way. for Tristan Jerry, who's an RFA. And Oh, it does oh. not going to matter because once they sign him, he's not an RFA anymore. Never mind. Forget it. Forget that idea. <laughs> well, no, going go to what you were talking about at the start of the show, because I think this is a good segue to the Domi stuff. So let's, let's just jump right in. So you, you, you were talking about ma- making a trade for Jerry? Well, I put on Twitter, and it was really just me thinking out loud, was Jim Rutherford was after Max Domi since he was in Arizona. Uh, I think he put a – he talked to uh, – he was after Galchenyuk or Domi. He was after both of them. He ended up getting Galchenyuk eventually and realized that was a mistake. Failure. Uh, but he was after Domi in Arizona. Domi got traded to Montreal instead uh, for Galchenyuk. And there was rumors last offseason that uh, Bergevin tried to get Tristan Jerry off of uh, Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I heard from a few reliable sources that he – did give and try to put an effort into uh, to get Jerry uh, Thomas, which would have been a great move if he would have got it. So my thought process was, and I put it like this, like Max Domi will be traded to Pittsburgh with Tristan Jerry coming the other way in the off season. Now, a lot of people took that as a one for one trade, which is not what I meant at all. I just meant, you know, uh, and they're saying, why would we trade for a backup when we have so many UFAs, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and they're all valid points. Uh, my point was Montreal needs a winger. They need a backup goaltender. Some would argue they need a, left hand, a, a top-line left-handed defenseman. I don't think that's a really a huge priority now. I think it will help the team, but I don't think it's what they need right now. Um, and I just figured a Domi trade to Pittsburgh – with Jerry, maybe a winger coming the other way, a few things thrown in here and there. And, uh, you know, I just think it would be a good move. Is Domi going to get traded? I have no idea, right? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go to the side of, I don't think he is going to get traded. Uh, I think he's going to resign. It's just, what's he going to resign to? Now, everyone else is going to uh, um, bring up, well, they say he's a center, they're 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 advertising him as a center. However, they don't want they won't want to pay him as a center, and that's all valid points. So, I don't know. We'll see. Domi's uh, an enigma. I think uh, I think if he plays on the wing, Montreal would be out after better off signing him, playing him on the wing in the top six. And, and I agree. I agree that uh, he should be a winger. And uh, if anyone's surprised that the Canadians' management is playing both sides of this fence of winger versus center. Um, why? Why are you surprised? Of course, they're they're touting him on one side as a center, and on another as a winger. He, they want to raise his trade value, but they want to lower his signing value at the same time. So they're kind of playing both sides. So I, that's neither here nor there. What does concern me a little bit is what does Domi think he is? Because Domi, if he sees himself as a center and he does not want to give up his position as a center and move to the wing, then that's where decision has to be made to move him because you've got Suzuki, Kotniemi, and Dendo. All three are ahead of him on the, uh, on the list. Evans on a fourth line, perfect. 
So Domi, Domi needs to play in a top six somewhere, top nine somewhere with a really deep team, like for instance, Pittsburgh. And, and you were mentioning some kind of a package deal. Uh, yeah, sure. I can go with maybe the defense isn't the main goal for a return. So why not go for uh, a big winger? So uh, maybe if we're still talking Pittsburgh, a uh, Nick Bugstad. I, I know he's listed as a center, but he also plays right wing. Six foot six, about 225. Excellent along the boards. Excellent on the cycle. Excellent net crash, net front presence, which is all things the Canadians need. And he, he did it as a top six with Florida and top nine with Pittsburgh. So he could step right in and play a top six role with the Canadians, the way things are right now. He can keep up and he can provide that size that has, have been missing. Yeah, they probably end up getting something else because of Bukestad's uh, contract. Maybe, I don't know, uh, would they give up that young prospect Poulain on the wing? If the Canadians added something else with Domi to kind of even things out. So you get two big-bodied wingers, a left wing and a right wing, in return for Domi and, I don't know, some a pick. I don't know, say a second, just because. Just Maybe a third. I don't care. But Poulet and Bukestad, what do you think, Matt? Do you think that would be a better way to go if Domi's moved? Personally, I'd stay away from Bukestad. He's very injury prone. True, um, true. But it, 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 that idea of trading him for a big winger, you, you've got to get some. They've got to get, they've got to address an area of need if they move him. That's for sure. Um, Maybe Greenway from Minnesota? Domi brings a lot. Domi brings a lot to the table. He's he a, he's a he's a he's a he's a good guy in the room. He's a he's a great guy to have on the team. Um, you know, we talked to Eric Engels uh, last week, and you know, he had nothing but good things to say about him and how the 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 guys love him and how he just you know eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. Um, I'm Not kind to mention of, the skill level and absolutely. the toughness as well. And, and this is a guy, and, and a lot of people shit on Domi this year. Like, this is a guy that's a season removed from a 72-point season. And he didn't have consistent wingers. He didn't have consistent anything that season. And was it a one-off? Who knows? This year, he was still on pace to break 50 points, which is which is really not bad for... It's just really, that's, that's really not terrible numbers. So like, a lot of guys shit on him and they shit on him during the playoffs, but you got to look at, you got to look at it this way. He j- made the decision to join the team during COVID where he's a high risk. He was put in a position and a lot of people say, oh, well, they threw him on the fourth line because they're going to trade him or whatever else. He, in my opinion, he was put on the fourth line because the other lines were already developed and they didn't want to screw with that chemistry. Well, and he and also we saw, showed up and, and we saw how we we saw how that went throughout the uh, the the two series. If I was if I was Mark Bergevin, I'd do my best to keep the guy and um, convince him that he's a winger and utilize him as a winger. If not, you've got to move him for an, to fill an area of need, and that and that would be size on the wing. And if that's the case. Personally, I'd be looking at Detroit, 
and maybe try to do an RFA swing type deal and 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 go after a guy like Mantha. Okay. Which which has been rumored. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I would personally do. Because you okay. might not get that you might not get the points that that Domi can put up. Because Mantha isn't a guy that's going to put up 70 points, but you never know. It, it might it could happen down the road. But he's a, he's a he's a goal scorer, he's fast, he's got size, he plays with size, and that is something that they could use in their top six. I don't think we're going to get – I don't think Domi's going to be a 70-point scorer. I don't think Domi's a true 70-point scorer. No, but he can be a consistent guy at 50, 60 points, which is sure, perfect, which is great to have. Sure. I, I think he uh, – the whole thing with Domi is all going to depend on what does Domi – if Domi re-signs with the Habs, you know he's perfectly fine paying the wing because he's not stupid. His agent isn't stupid. The Habs management isn't stupid. They're not going to throw him at center and bump off, say, a Cotton Yemi or a, a Suzuki or a Deneau. They're your top three centers, and whatever way you want to put them, first, second, doesn't matter who you put first, second, or third, they're going to be your top three centers going in the next season. So if Domi wants to be a center, he's either going to have to be perfectly okay with being the fourth-line center, or he's signing with, re-signing with the Habs. Well, he's an RFA. He doesn't have a choice unless the Habs get rid of him or, or – uh, just don't sign him, which I don't see them doing. Um, but he's either going to re-sign with the Habs as a winger or he's going to sit down with them and say, if you're not going to make me a center, I want to be traded, and they're going to trade. The way I see it happening, he's going to stay with the Canadians. This is my expectation, is that he's going to sign with the Habs. He's going to remain with the Habs, and he'll end up playing on the wing, and he'll be, con- he'll be convinced on their plan of him on the wing and filling in as a, as a center in case of injury, because Julian likes to have, uh, if Julian returns as a coach next year, that despite him saying he's feeling 100%, he wants to come back, we don't know for sure if he'll be back. So let's imagine he is. Um, So he likes his players to be able to play multiple areas. So Domi would on the wing and then stepping in as a center. But we got to keep in mind too that – Julian and most NHL coaches prefer their centermen to be defensively responsible players as well. And Domi has proven that he is not exactly um, ideal in, in that regard. He's very, he, he leans very heavily over to the offensive side and he does have defensive issues. So he's, he's better suited playing in, uh, playing center at the lower, you know, like a second, third line, if things are going great, he does okay on the second line. So I think he'll play wing. I think he'll stay. But if he is to be moved, I agree with both of you. It should be for uh, a need. So, and Matt, you, you, I think you nailed it. And I brought this up as well. They need people who can score. They need size. They need it on the wings. If you can get that for him, great. If not, keep him, put him on the wing. So Fergie at AL underscore ad Ferguson. That's our thoughts on where Max Domi could be moved for. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of players that could be moved or players that uh, necessarily fill a position or don't fill a position, what are your thoughts on Phil Deneau? Phil Deneau filling a position. Well, uh, I know his comments uh, made people 
you know, second guess his desire to stay with the Canadians, but that's, you know, after translation. So listening to his comments in the original French, I'm interpreting what he is saying as him laying down the gauntlet of, I know what my role is. I know what I've done and I want to keep it. I want to stay as the, as a top six two-way center with the Montreal Canadiens instead of a third line defensive specialist. And that's perfect. You want, you want Dendo to think that way. I mean, it's at the point now in the Canadians rebuild where uh, guys like Suzuki and Kotniemi are pushing the veterans. They're being pushed. They're showing that they can do these jobs and they're taking that time. They're taking away that time on ice. They're taking away these, these um, scenarios that the coach normally sends his veterans out for, but he's trusting the younger guys. Suzuki is definitely trusted by, uh, by Julian, who compares him currently to, uh, to Krejci, which is high praise coming from him. And, and that's not even his, his high end. He's not even reached his potential yet, and he's already comparing him to Krejci. I, so, I, personally, I personally believe that in an offensive role, and even as a two-way role, Suzuki has done enough to warrant that ice time. And he, and he looked very good during the playoffs. He played in a lot of high pressure situations. He was killing penalties and he, he was produced. kind of like a, a two point, you know, a Deno 2.0 with the, with more offensive flair. So if they give, you know, if they, if they throw don't, or if they throw um, Suzuki out there and they give him some quality wingers, I, I'm happy with that. But it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean break up the uh, break up that line of um, Deneau, Tatar, Gallagher. They've been a they've been a incredible line for the Canadians over the last few seasons. It was something that didn't work out throughout the playoffs. But you got to look at it with Gallagher being injured. Was he really playing at a hundred percent capacity? So that that's what I'm going to look into it and and look at next year. Are we going to get the Emmy that? showed up during the playoffs? Or are we going to get the cock in the ambulance that showed up at the start of the year and put and that's up why I think they keep points all year? That's so, why I keep I Absolutely. They keep and if I was Mark Bergevin, if I was, or if I was even the coaching staff, and I am available if you guys need me, I'm just throwing it out there. I just don't do little funny sound bits on here. I am available. Um, what I would do personally, I keep cock in the as the third line. And then you, you'd have a very you'd have a one A one B line with Suzuki and whoever the hell he's got on his wings. Hopefully a a winger with size. We'll see what happens there. And then you can keep that Deno line together and have a one A one B. And then you get you know a, a third line with Kakaniemi at center with whoever, whether it be Armia or uh, Lekkinen, et cetera. You know mix mix and match how, however you want but you're going to get a guy that's going to get maybe a little bit more favor- favorable matchups and he can work on his game a little bit more, uh, work on his face-offs, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't think Deneau, you know, a lot of people, as you said, took it out of context. I don't think Deneau was a guy that you're just going to throw in a third-line position. Like, this is a guy that, uh, you know, he's getting selfie votes. That's not a third-line guy. No. no. Well, Carbono won the selkie and he was a third-line guy. Well, that was a while back. 
You know what I mean? Like new NHL, you're looking at a guy in a top six role. You're looking at an O'Reilly. You're looking at a Patrice Bergeron. You're looking. I, at I know what a, you're saying. I, I was you just... know what I mean? And this is a guy that's going to play 18 minutes plus. He's going to play against the top lines. He's going to piss off the top lines. And he's someone that's going to give you 50, 60 points a year. Well, see, well, here's my kind of argument to all this about him being on the first, second, or third line. If he's going to be playing against the top line, it doesn't matter what line he's on because that line's going to be out when the top line's out. And if that top line's out 18 to 20 minutes a game, that top, then his line's going to be out 18 to 20 minutes a game. So whether it's class as the third line, the second line, or the first line, doesn't really matter. It's the what? role. He's, he's definitely be, going to be given the role of uh, defensive specialist. Shut down. Def- and, and you know what? He's earned that role. Whether I don't think Deneau's sitting here saying, I don't want to be a defensive center. I think he's sitting there saying, I can be a productive two-way center that's no, not only going to get you points and help you score goals, but also be a shutdown defenseman. And I personally have no issue with having three centers that all want to be the first-line center. It's going to be good internal competition. I mean, when was the last time you talked about Montreal having too many centers that could be a potential first or second line center? Never. This year. <laughs> right? right so this, I don't have an issue with this. And this goes into the Domi thing. There's no room for Domi to be a center. There's none. Zero, zip, zilch. Right? Who's, unless, who, who, unless. Who's to know, who's to know with for an agent as I want to make like a, a sword going through him that this doesn't work out? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not Alan Walsh. I know that. All right. But let's um, let's imagine for a moment that it is Alan Walsh, and he does the sword thing, and Bergevin says, you know what? The hell with this. I have Domi who wants to stay as a center. I'm going to sign him. I'll have my two young guys, and I'll trade Deno. So uh, Alex uh, at Vintage Habs asked what Deno's trade value on the market would be. What What do you think, Trey? Uh he had a very inconsistent second half of the season. Uh, and he's at best a 50 to 55 point guy. You put his defensive special. I, I think you could get a top prospect or maybe a third line winger. Um, he's not a, you're not going to get a number one draft pick for him or, or first round draft pick, I should say. Uh, and I don't think you're going to get a elite prospect, but I think you can get a high prospect and a uh, a big bodied winger for him. I mean, who knows? Bergeron can get literally anyone for broken hockey sticks. And I'm not just trying to blow smoke up Bergeron's ass, but when it comes to trading, he usually comes out on top. Um, so, yeah, it, it's hard to say what, what they can get from him. I mean, uh, Placanic got what? two prospects and two draft picks or something when he got traded to Toronto. Um, it's tough to say with the no, because it all depends on the team you're trading them to and what they're really looking for. And, and how do people, and... and how do people see him? Do they see him as a, a top line center? Cause let's be honest. He's only been the top line center on Montreal because we had no other center. If you've got a guy who can line up against the other team's top centerman, and still put up 50 points in a season, that has a ton of value. More so to the Canadians roster, who desperately need a defensive centerman who can yeah. put up 40 to 50 points a year. I just, I just think if Montreal is going to trade him, they're going to ask for more than maybe what he's worth because they're going to need that back to give up a Deneau. 
Does that make sense to anyone? Did I come out right? Yeah, it makes um, sense. It makes sense. Yeah. And, and, if whether, the, and if that's the deal, they can throw in a prospect. They've got probably every pick in the draft coming up in the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah. So they can they can package that for to fill the need that they want. I don't so see Deneau being traded. I don't know. I don't know. So Deneau peeling in a first. <laughs> <laughs> for Malkin. McJesus. Trade him for McJesus. Sorelli uh, was there. That might work. Yeah. If, we'll look, <laughs> yeah. look at the market right now. If Kasperi Kapanen gets you a middle, a middle round, a middle first round pick, Dano's out. I would give up a hell of a lot more for for Dano if that's the market. Yeah, but you can't base the market on what something Kyle Dubas does. Oh, I understand because right? every, time, every, because every time I'm Toronto sorry, makes a deal, but that was Toronto a terrible, a... terrible deal by Rutherford. That was Absolutely terrible. Was. Absolutely. It was, it was terrible for Toronto too. Think about it. They gave up a guy who can score 20 goals for a pick when they need depth scoring. They didn't have a first pick though. No, who cares? I, I think they, they, I think they Toronto a dynasty did well right now. I Toronto's Toronto trying to win well right now. What? Toronto's trying to ruin right now. So why are you trading players for prospects unless you're using that cap space or something, which he probably is going to do, but I think he's going to flip. The, I think he's going to, if he's smart, he's going to flip the draft pick. Maybe. Wow, well, we'll see. Because nonetheless, I, 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 I think it was a good move by uh, Dubis. I think it was a terrible move. Dubis got rid of cap space and got a first pick that he didn't have. To and me, Pitt, that's a to win me, for Pittsburgh. Dubis. Pittsburgh made a great move. They needed uh, they needed wingers and depth at for up front, and they had a pick. Who gives a shit if they if they don't have a pick this year? Their well, their window to win is now. Well, so their window to win is pretty much closing like now. Well, it, it might really, have closed. It really is closing, and they've had yeah. they've had um, two first round picks since like 2014 or something. Yeah. And Kapanen yeah. was one of them. Yeah, I I think giving up a first round pick for a third liner is to me. It's I mean I see your points, Blaine, but to me I think that's a bad move. They could they could have they, they got a twenty goal scorer for less than that. You're right. all in. You're all in. Get what you think you need now. But I don't think Pittsburgh's all in. I think Pittsburgh's on the way out. No, no, they're all in on uh, trying to win. I guess whether or not they do is a whole other story. But Rutherford's making his tr- his attempt now. I think they'll end up getting fired. I think that's bad management. Assess- that's bad nah. assessment by the manager. Maybe my personal opinion. Maybe. I don't know. But you got Crosby and Malkin, so as long as they're on the team, you have to try. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you have a point. It's just Crosby and Malkin are on the wrong side of thirty-four. Yeah. Well, what they're, are you do? they're they're in the Shea Weber should retire years. Oh my God! Is did they get a rocking chair for Christmas? <laughs> they're old and feeble. You remember when you were thirty-four? How great you felt back then? Oh man, I wish I was thirty-four now. No kidding. Matt's probably Matt's just sitting here listening, saying, "Thirty-four. Wow." I'm almost there. I'm almost that, there. That's so far away. <laughs> it's so far away. Two, two years. Two years. <laughs> oh and my God, Matt! You're in your thirties. I am. <laughs> wow. How old's your beard? Your beard's only seventeen, right? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So just it's to hard. answer a few of these questions that we have on this tweet, I put out. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, the um, I like Janet Crosscheck's question. That one was really good. I like that. Continue Pacioretty fatigue. I don't have any. Uh, me neither. 
No, I think the trade worked out really well for both teams. Like, look how good Suzuki's looked. Uh, Tatar was a, a stud throughout the season. That you know, he didn't really show up as much for the playoffs, but the Canadians, and I think, does Patretti. <laughs> Patretti doesn't show up for the playoffs either. Well, he showed up He's... and slashed the shit out of Debrinket. Well, Pacioretty's put up some points in this playoff so far, and he, he put up more than 30 goals this year. The Vegas got exactly what they wanted. They got it. Instead of Montreal. Yeah, they got a scoring winger. Absolutely. And you get to look at it this way. Um, you know, we brought up the, um, we brought up the, uh, the Seattle draft briefly. They're not affected by the draft. Vegas, no. Yeah, Vegas isn't Vegas isn't affected. So Vegas they, was they given a contending team on a platter. Absolutely, and they can continue to keep this core together yeah. without having to lose anybody. So you've got guys like Talk, you've got Pacioretty, William Carlson, you've got Marcia Show and Smith, who were somehow packaged together by the Panthers. I don't know how the fuck they managed that, but they did. So Vegas can definitely thank them for that. You got Shea Theodore. Etc. 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 Yeah, Cody Glass coming up. Um, no Suzuki. Though. Suzuki. Oh wait, you don't have an excuse. Right, but you've got you've got multiple great players that are, that play for this. You got Mark Stone, and and they're not going to lose any of these players, but they're still allowed to make deals and everything. So like as as you said, like Vegas was was handed a good team, and I think Seattle's going to take a take a chapter out of their uh, their book. And I think well, that Seattle's going to contend. I don't think they're going to do the whole Vegas thing. Well, that the finals, depends. The, the reason they're not is because I believe the draft has changed a little bit since the Vegas one because some nope, teams complain. Completely the same. Then why can't Seattle do the exact same, the same thing that Vegas did? They very I mean, well, the way they very well up, could. Is the way it's set up, they're set up to almost compete right off the beginning unless they draft terribly or unless they pick from teams terribly because teams have no, most teams have, or a lot of teams have no choice, but to leave someone of, you know, someone good, not protected. They almost that's, have that's, that's true. And this is going to be something obviously we'll get into in a future show yeah. when we get closer to this, but you're right. Um, they want, they don't want to see a team win 20 games. You know, if a if a if a city and a and an owner or owners are putting that much money into a franchise, they want it to succeed and they want to market the shit out of it right away. And we've we saw with the unveil of the logo and the jersey and everything, like a lot of people tuned into that, and they made a logo that is very catchy. And it can be catchy to new fans. It can be it can be catchy to to fans that are already out there. Not to mention the color scheme. Just so you know, Matt, the hockey writers is looking for a writer for the Krakens. Just throwing it out there too. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens. uh, I remember when I used to write. Basically, what the NHL doesn't want is the expansion drafts of the nineties, where yeah, absolutely, uh, where San Jose and Ottawa and all these teams took forever to become a relative team. I mean, Ottawa still waiting for for a while. I don't think Ottawa even won 20 games a season, and that was for years on end. I felt so bad for Peter Sidorkowitz. But anyway, um, uh, I, they don't want that. And I understand that. However, I don't like the fact that you get an expansion team that pretty much becomes a contender right away. I don't like that either. 
the one thing that I don't like is the uh, is that exemption from the from the Seattle draft. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that, especially with how good they did, or and how good they're doing. It's almost like letting seeing if they can win the Stanley Cup and get a the top pick in the draft. It's almost kind of the same scenario. Let the world burn. Do it. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you're not going to pay these owners are paying upwards of one, $1.5 billion for the team on arena naming oh. all this stuff that they have to do. They're, they're going to be out about a billion, billion and a half dollars before a puck is even dropped. Of course, they're going to want a decent hockey team. But there's a difference between a win. decent hockey team and a contending hockey team. Mind I, you, I realize that George McPhee did a great job making his team. Because it wasn't all just from the draft. It wasn't all just from the expansion draft. No, there was a lot of trades leading yeah. up in the expansion draft, and he took advantage of. Yeah. Now, Seattle may not be able to do that, but this flat cap kind of gives them that opportunity to do similar to what McPhee did. So we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I'm going to move on to another question. What's the other question? And this one's from a... A, a Bruins fan who thinks Tory Krug staying in Boston. So Sean, <laughs> Sean Hums, Tasty Freeze thirty four, just says Tasty yeah. Freeze. What kind Tasty of name freeze. is? What kind of name is Tasty Freeze? It's what? a Bru- It's a Bruins fan, man. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So uh, he's a dedicated dad, though. So I'll give him that. <laughs> Husband expert and bubble gum remover. So mm. yeah, Ninema is all he said. Yanni Ninema. All I- yeah, Jan, all I got to say to him is Tory Cruz going to be a hab. Anyway, and next question. Yanni Ninema. Yanni I mean, Ninema. That's all he said. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, solid backup goalie options. I think we went over that already. Yeah, we covered that. So With thanks, Bryce George. Of, we, uh, George, yeah. You, you, you sent that question in, but we, we knew it was coming. We understand what you, what you want, and we did it just for you. Matt's beard can read minds. I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> well, just because the question came up, I'm going to throw this in there just because I want to make you guys laugh. I'm looking at a big-bodied guy who, if you put goalie pads on, they can fill the net, and he can also play defense. Dustin Bufflin. There you go. Ooh. You really want him on the team. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing it up. That's the backup. <laughs> Although I will bring up, and Blaine, you've brought this up a few, few times, Jake Allen in a yep. – Jo- Joel Joel Armia type trade that would actually yep. work out as well. So. It could definitely happen, but we don't how, have to get how Bennington performed this uh, this playoff. They might be looking to keep him. Well, true because as I said before, on I said everyone's going on about how bad Jordan Bennington was this year. Maybe last year he just had that one good year. Absolutely. Sure. Um, There's too many people now. that look at, I mean, you made it, brought it up about Cotton Emmy. Are we going to get the same Cotton Emmy that we had in the playoffs in the, in the, in the next season? You can't look at one year or one look at series Matt, look at Matt or whatever. Murray. Look at Matt Murray. I was never a big Matt Murray fan, but yeah. No, yeah, I, was, on, I didn't really like what, what they did with, uh, what they did with Marc-Andre Fleury. No, no, no. no. But I mean, Mark, uh, Matt, Fleur, uh, Matt Murray can't really hear what you guys are saying with his two Stanley Cup rings plugging. Oh, that's right. right. Next question from Habs Nightly. <laughs> okay. Habs Nightly, another podcast. Oh, I can't say their question. They're a po- Habs podcast. They're our arch enemies. 
No, no. No, no they're, just they're, good. they're good guys. They're good guys. I know the Habs Nightly Show Joking. is really good. I've listened to it. There are two guys from down in the southern United States. Their accents are really weird, but they're good guys. I'm hey, I'm just kidding. I'm just going back to my old job that I used to do when I used to write for another place. Anyway, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, might be late to the party, but Markov's jersey retirement not going to happen, and it shouldn't happen. No, so that's all absolutely I say not. About it. I, I as good as Markov was for the Canadians in a very bad time, I don't think he he's quite at the jersey retirement. The ring, uh, the of, ring honor? of honor, yes. Sure. Jersey retirement, no. I don't think no. any have. Maybe Carey Price. Maybe Carey Price. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, any had that's played since Patrick Waugh, I think, which is the last retired jersey. Uh, I don't think anyone that's played since him has the numbers or has the play to have their jersey retired. Maybe Matt Snazlin? No. Maybe. No. But even him, I don't think he wasn't there long enough. He only six years, like 10 seasons. six, seven years. Yeah. So, no. What do you think, Matt? I can see them adding to the Ring of Honor. There's a few players that, if they're not already there, that should be added. Um, I look at, uh, I'm not sure if Koibu's there already. But no, I would add I don't him. think he is. I don't I'd think he is. Should be. I'd add him to the Ring of Honor. I'd add yeah. Markov to the Ring of Honor. And uh, I might even look at someone like Placanic, adding him to the Ring of Honor. He did yes. really good things while he was there. Well, if you're and, adding Placanic, you got to add Matt Snazlin. And if they want to put, like, kind of like what they did with, with, with Beliveau and, like, make a seat for him for David DeArnay, I would sit in that seat. David DeArnay. Uh, I would, uh, you know, I, I would send Placanitz's turtleneck to the Hall of Fame. I think the turtleneck is Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, absolutely. What? Absolutely. If you're adding David Darnay a seat, I think Ed Ronan should get a seat. He won a Stanley Cup. Does David Darnay get a – no, he doesn't get a seat. Double D is going to get himself maybe a, a booster seat at best. <laughs> Double, D, Double D may patch already what he is today. It's true. Do you know what? And, and you know, we, we're, we're, we're kind of making fun of Darnay here. We are, um, yeah. You know what? He did – for a guy coming out of the ECHL to jump up and to – put up 60 points in a year, et cetera, with the Canadians. Um, when, when, they got a, when they got Eric Cole and that, those guys were together, like, that was a good line. On a shitty team. On a shitty team. And yeah. that's when we had size on the wings. Montreal never, ever had a shitty team. I don't know what you guys are talking about. When I, I, when I was writing, the last time I wrote about uh, the ECH, the need for an ECHL franchise for the Canadians, uh, I, by the way, on the hockey writers, check it out. Um, I use Deharnay as the example. So if they do end up getting Trois-Rivières, you have a Quebec-based ECHL franchise. You need to fill that roster with, fill the roster with locals, undrafted talent coming out of the queue, sign a few of them, let them play in the ECHL. And maybe out of a hundred, one might be able to make his way up to the NHL and become that, uh, that, you know, rags to riches story that Dale was because Dale was never even drafted. He was signed to an ECHL contract. He, he killed it. He crushed it in Cincinnati with a hundred point season, worked his way up and made it to the NHL. So we can, we can mock his size all we want, but the, the guy became a 60 point NHL center. Here's my question though. 
if he was on any other club but Montreal, would he make it to the NHL? Yeah, I think yeah, he could have made the NHL with a couple he of clubs. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's just my question. I, I don't think he would have gotten the role he was given with Montreal. I think he would have been a fourth line center if he made it to the NHL, but maybe a third liner. Maybe, yeah, third. but not a first liner. No. Not a chance. But Montreal hasn't had a first liner since when? I don't know. My daughter Netflix. literally just gave me the finger. I don't know what to do here, guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we haven't really had a first line center, and I you could argue that Koivu wasn't even really a first line center. He was, and he was more of a second-line center. Yeah, we haven't really had a first-line center in, like, since... Don Foose. Don Foose. Nick Suzuki. Well, yeah. okay, we have the potential now to have maybe <laughs> two first-line centers because Deneau's not a first-line center. Uh, but then again, you have to look at what is a first-line center. Uh, is a first-line center a 70-80 point guy that can play 200 feet? Or is a first-line center your Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby's? See, what the Canadians have right now on hand in guys like Suzuki and Kotniemi are Taze-type centers, where they're guys that are going to put up about 70 points and be able to play well defensively and over the entire 200-foot ice. That's the kind of centerman they have. Um, And that's the kind of center that Claude Julien likes. Yes. And and I know our friend Jason Paul, uh, he's – if anyone's wondering who he is at Jason Paul, go check him out um, on Twitter. Um, he's been very, very, he's been tooting Suzuki's horn all year long, calling him a Stevie Iserman type uh, player, comparing him to Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and he's using analytical stats to prove his point. Exactly. Exactly. He's not just saying it. He's trying to use the stats to show that this kid can become that. And, and if he's, if he's even a little bit right, Habs have themselves a hell of a centerman there. And, and I don't see him as a 90-point guy either. Let's just make it clear. I guess it depends on if they get a top six top winger. Like, it, it really all depends on who these guys play with. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. It really does. Like, I mean, if you can get a guy like – like, we always argued – Oh, how good would Pacioretty be with an actual center? Well, he has an actual center in Vegas, and he's pretty much the same guy. So maybe. Maybe we don't. I don't know. I just think if you put Suzuki with the right wingers, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're probably, he could probably get 90 points, but I think he'll top out around 70, 80. And that's fine for first-line center to me. To me, that is the new NHL top-line center. But so if you have – You look at the Montreal Canadiens – you got Max Domi, they hit 72 points. And that was the first player that hit 70 points in forever. So if you can throw, if, if you can throw um, Suzuki in the, into that and be a 70 point guy, I'd be very happy. If the I, Canadians can get Suzuki and Kotniemi scoring 70 points each, how is that bad? It's not. Because then you're going to have Deneau getting 50 points. On a third line. So now you have you have two hundred goals from three players. Help you know basically because a point is a goal. So yeah, so there's two hundred goals right there out of stemming from three players. Stemming from three players. Yeah, should be hard to find another fifty to seventy five goals in the rest of the lineup. Well, and that's what I'm. And right now in the NHL, three hundred goals is a good team. Is a good scoring team. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best. Yes. So, 
and and that's what you have to look like a lot of people go oh well you know you look at edmonton they have two centers that get 90 points okay sure great awesome good for them but they also have nobody else when you look at the canadians uh system that they use they they're one of the top five on five teams they generate a ton of shots they gen they create a ton of chances what they're lacking is finish. So if you right. finally get a couple of finishers on top of what they've already been doing, then you have a dangerous team. The difference between Montreal and Edmonton is they have a couple of amazing finishers, but a poor system. Whereas the Canadians right. have a good system with no finishers. So, who's, have, so have, who's finished that we can sign? We already got a bunch of them. Oh, hey. Poyarvi, <laughs> speaking Edmonton. Oh, Why not Poyarvi? Oh, but we'll give them a seventh round pick in return that? for the guy that refuses to play for them. They're done. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for Chris Pudsey, our resident Edmonton fan. Ha ha. Every show. <laughs> every show. <laughs> yep, every show. And because he's such a good sport, we will provide you, Chris Pudsey, the prize this week turtle wax to give your head the proper shine that's that's terrible he's so bald and he's a huge edmonton fan he is and and all kidding aside he's actually a reasonable hockey fan he knows his stuff for the most part and he's had to put up with you in person for years so that's right i sailed with him for like three years my condolences to you. Maybe I had to put up with him. Did you think of that? Yeah, I did think of that. And I'm, I'm still saying it's he put up with you. Yeah, yeah that's kind of true. I asked Tina. She agreed. Yeah, that's true. If anyone's wondering, Tina's my wife. That question was brought up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not some, something she would admit to, but yes, it's true. Yes, yeah, some woman actually puts up with me on a 24-7 basis. You heard it here, folks. You're here, you heard it here first. <laughs> And soon, Matt's beard. Will put up with me for 24-7? I'm confused. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just wanted to put Matt's beard into it. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. For anyone okay. looking, uh, Matt's beard is on, t on Tinder. You can swipe right on his beard. Matt's beard is what's helping us be a top-rated Habs podcast in four continents. Ooh. Including Brazil. Oh. And, and Japan. And Japan. And Sweden. People in Japan are listening to us? Apparently. Why? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, show, so show we've been rambling for a little bit. I think, uh, <laughs> I think our rambling has indicated we've run out of topics, and now we're just chucking crap at each other. So um, I think we ended there. That sounds good to me. I'm, I'm trying to finish a story I'm writing that I was supposed to have done like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a great idea. And yeah. Matt... Maybe you can start writing again, or something. You know, I've I've been I've been uh, having people send me uh, DMs, and uh, people just kind of sliding in little I'm not gonna say jabs, but little uh, little tweets here and there saying hint hint you should start writing again. So it's oh I uh, thought you meant hot ladies were sliding in your DMs and you were too busy to write. <laughs> no, I only get the ones that are like you know Monica three eight three five eight nine one, and then I she, know her. She, she, she likes my she, DMs. She likes me for like a day, and then I like give her all my information, and then she disappears. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right? So, and your bank account's empty. Absolutely right. Like I just 
just keeps happening, right? So, and, um, and before we sign off, I know we have not touched on any social uh, issues out there. I just want to make it very, very clear that we all support equality and safety for everyone. However, we here uh, as members of the military tend to not be involved politically in the open. So uh, if this upsets you, we apologize. We understand if you don't follow us anymore, but just remember that we, we believe in equality for all. We believe in respect for all and we cannot be involved politically. It is part of our jobs uh, as members of the military that we are not allowed to do so. So uh, we are not taking sides. We are not going to uh, denigrate anyone, but just remember, we respect you, we care for you, and we want everyone to have the same rights, regardless of where you're born, what you look like, what religion you follow, what orientation you claim to have, it does not matter to us. If that, uh, if you choose not to follow us anymore because of that, uh, we're, we apologize, but we cannot help that. Uh, any thoughts from you too? No, that's really well said. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I put out a little thing on my Twitter about where I stand and that's all I have to say. Okay. So uh, we'll end the show there. Uh, We'll do a quick commercial. When we come back, we'll sign off. So please do stick around and uh, support our sponsors. Uh, no Name Hockey, excellent sponsor. Uh, they provide wonderful equipment for all. And of course, Manscaped, use code UNFILTERED24, free shipping and 20% off. So stick around. We'll be right back. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And 
that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.